Have you lost your mind? It was almost impossible to understand what Martel was saying above the rising wind. Peter Reynolds blinked the snow out of his eyes. The blizzard was coming in hard and fast. Soon they'd have to break camp and wait it out. But he couldn't let go of what he'd seen. Or at least what he thought he'd seen. I think there's someone up there. Martel's cadaverous face registered a moment's confusion, then twisted into anger. Peter sensed another argument. When they had left to begin their adventure, just three weeks earlier, they'd departed as colleagues, having met eight months prior in New Delhi, a city undergoing a slow and painful transformation under Nehru's fractious new government. A friendship had developed, of sorts. Two Europeans, traditional foes, an Englishman and a Frenchman, navigating the bureaucratic jungle of the nation's capital. Not that that was how the Indians saw themselves. Dealing with the pompous new breed of civil servant had become the bane of Peter's life. Independence had brought freedom to the country, but with it had come opportunists settling into the vacuum left by the departing British. If Delhi had been a city of forts and mendicants before, it now served as a bastion of political cutthroats and blowhards with the moral scruples of rutting goats. The paperwork alone was enough to make a man blow his brains out. The trek had been a welcome break. Martel, an experienced climber, had proposed the expedition, had even picked a route suited to Peter's level of skill. Or so he'd said at the time. They'd taken the Himalayan queen up from Delhi, then hired a jeep to ferry them to the village of Yamunotri, nestled in the foothills of the Garawal Himalayas. From here they'd set off on foot, nothing but the packs on their backs, making their way up through the Dumdarakandi Pass, an experience Peter would not soon forget. The scenery, as Martel had promised, was enough to take a man's breath away. Vivid mountainscapes, crystal-clear night skies, the occasional snow leopard. What he neglected to mention was the cold and the danger. The high mountain passes were no place for an unseasoned climber, weak-limbed by the first stirrings of mountain sickness. It didn't help that he was in the company of a man whose recklessness would have made a drunk sapper seem sober by comparison. Not that the Frenchman had shown any remorse. He had that peculiar temperament oblivious to anything but its own inverted logic. Sociopath, that was the word. Having barely survived the Dumdarakundi Pass, Peter had made up his mind to quit. But somehow, Martel had beguiled him. The simple fact was that they had planned a two-man expedition. Even Martel wasn't foolhardy enough to continue on his own. Guilt. That and the fear of ridicule in the eyes of a Frenchman. Quitting was simply not an option. They trekked down from the pass to the hamlet of Durali, then turned up to Nalang. From here, they'd headed northwards to the Sang Chokla Pass, leading into Tibet, their ultimate destination. It will make a fine story, Martel had told him. Imagine la tête que feront tes enfants. Well, he was certainly imagining the faces of his children now, imagining them gathered around his casket at the old church in Hampstead with his wife Amanda, dressed in black and cursing her fool of a husband. Martel's growl cut across his thoughts. 
No one could be alive up there. Peter hesitated. How sure was he of what he'd seen? They'd been trekking through the high pass, knee-deep in snow, a stiff wind lacerating their faces. The valley snarled around them, sharp granite ridges covered in their winter blankets. Martel had told him the route was often employed by Buddhist pilgrims. What he hadn't bothered to point out was that even fanatics rarely ventured here in the depths of winter. And then the worst had happened. A roar above and behind him. He turned to see a section of the nearest ridge sheer away, come tumbling down in great slabs of snow and ice. Crying out in terror, he'd flapped and cursed his way out of the torrent's path. When the snow had settled, he'd looked back and seen a narrow cave opening high up on the ridge's flank. And in the mouth of the cave, what looked like the shape of a man. He'd used his binoculars, but couldn't be certain. He'd caught up with Martel, who'd been a hundred yards ahead and had missed the minor avalanche entirely. Convincing him to go back was never going to be straightforward. Out of the question. If anyone is there, then he is dead. All the more reason to check. His family would wish to know. It is not our responsibility. I can't see anyone else out here. Peter squared up to the Frenchman. He was sick of Martel's condescending attitude. I'm not moving on until we take a look. Martel must have seen something in the set of his shoulders. Merde! he shouted, and then turned and began trudging back the way they'd come. Peter smiled under his hood, gripped his walking poles, and followed. It took some time to find a safe route up to the cave. Martel led, cursing all the while. On more than one occasion, the unsettled snow shifted under them, almost making Peter question his obstinacy. Finally, they slipped into the opening. The cave mouth was small and shadowed in darkness. Outside, dusk was falling. He stared down at the shape he thought he'd seen. A wash of relief as he realised his eyes hadn't deceived him. The dead man was splayed against the inner wall of the cave mouth. Rocks had piled up behind him where the roof had collapsed, packed in with ice and snow. It seemed obvious that he must have been further in and the avalanche had nudged his body towards the opening. Without that movement, he might have remained hidden, Peter thought. In the summer months, no one would bother to climb up here simply to explore a narrow opening in the rock face. With a sharp bite of horror, he noted that the man's face was all but gone, crushed by falling rocks. Martel had dropped to his knees and was examining the body closely, running a torch over it. He's a white man, he eventually concluded. Peter knew that many western climbers had perished in and around the Himalayas, lost in the high passes or attempting reckless mountain exploits. He shuddered. There but for the grace of God. Martel had begun searching the man's pockets. What are you doing? You looking for our identification? He patted down the man's thin shirt and trousers. The outfit was completely unsuited to the cold. How had he ended up here in this remote cave? Martel pulled something from an inner pocket. A book. 
Slipping off a bulky glove, he blew warmth onto his fingers, then flipped open the book and trained the torch on the flyleaf. Peter resisted the urge to snatch the volume from the Frenchman's hands. A gust of wind blew into the cave, howled around them. Finally, Martel looked up at him. The torchlight gave his sallow cheeks a skeletal aspect. Bonbe, he said simply.